Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode from A View from the Bullens. I'm absolutely made up and delighted to be joined with a good friend of mine, El Bobble, and hopefully over the coming months and years, we're going to be doing some special episodes with Ben's and the Bobble, bringing you all up to date with Everton news. Bobble, it's been an extremely busy start to the, the summer transfer window, especially with outgoings at Everton Football Club at the moment. The likes of Fabian Delph, Cheng Tosin, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Donny van der Beek, who's gone back to Manchester United, and Anwar Al Ghazi, and even John Joe Kenny has left. Uh, I've seen numbers online which said we're saving around £400,000 a week. That's obviously a good start for Everton. And what does that mean for them going forward? Mm, yeah, it, 
a lot of them are, are, are no surprises, really, are they, Ben? If we're honest, obviously Fabian Delph, a really, really big contract for for a number of years, and probably hasn't really had the output that Everton would have wanted when we actually signed him. Um, so that was a bit of a, a no-brainer, really. Yeah, he's got ability when he's fit, but he's just not fit enough, is he? And he's now the wrong side of thirty. Uh, his body's really struggling to hold up to the, to the Premier League demands. And, and again, like I've just said, a really, really high wage. Same with Cenk Tosin, another one who's never really lived up to the to the heights or the expectation when Sam Allardyce brought him in. And obviously with Gilfie Sigurdsson, again, another really, really high wage, but he, he left the club a number of months ago in, in all honesty. And Donny van der Beek and, and Anwar Al-Ghazi, they, they didn't really have the impact that we imagined. Um you know, it's been well documented, the, you know, the sort of approach and signing it was with Anwar Al-Ghazi, with Keir Drabchin and, and everything that went around that, Ben. And I remember me and you talking about it on a, on a Twitter space. Um, you know, Rafa Benitez had turned him down three times in the January transfer window, but he was then eventually forced upon Rafa Benitez was Anwar Al-Ghazi. So, yeah, those five, especially, no real surprises, just over £400,000 a week now saved. That's just an enormous amount of money. And looking back, it was an enormous amount of money, wasn't it, tied up on just those five players with very, very little output. Um, so, yeah, really, really good news and, and as expected, really. And then you just touched on, on John Joe Kenny. That's a strange one, isn't it, Ben? I'd like to hear your views on that one. I know he was out of contract, um, probably third choice right back, arguably, behind Seamus Coleman and, and Nathan Patterson but probably maybe, what, second choice left back, arguably maybe third choice behind Mikolenko, Godfrey and then him. But it's a strange one, that one. Um, I know a lot of Evertonians would, you know, wanted to see him move on and, and at the age of 25 probably go and try and settle somewhere and get first team football. But the attitude and the logic behind it was offer him a new contract and it was only going to be an initial 12 months. Um, obviously, we're cash strapped. We don't have a lot of money to spend and we're going to have to wheel and deal probably. So is fullback right and left back an issue this year or a major issue going into the transfer window? Arguably, probably not, not one of the major issues. So the logic was, well, we'll just keep Kenny for 12 months on a relatively low wage in comparative to the to the rest of the squad without really breaking the bank. And, you know, we'll have him as a second or third choice and use him sparingly. Ultimately, John Joe Kenny felt differently. Um, he didn't want to sign a 12-month contract. And who to, you know, you can't blame him for that. He, he's 25. He needs to start forging a career for himself and, and playing more often. Um, he turned it down. Everton then went back in again with a, a multi-year contract. But at that point, I remember talking to you, Ben. John Joe Kenny was all, already talking to other clubs, a couple from the UK, but you know, a couple of decent-sized clubs in Germany, where obviously he, he, he'd previously been at Schalke. Hertha Berlin was one of those clubs, as was Schalke. Um, so, yeah, you can't really blame him. Don't really begrudge him. Um, is it for the best if I was his agent or his relative? Would I tell him to move on? Yeah, I probably would. Go try and forge a career. And, you know, you're going to earn the sort of money that Everton were offering at any half-decent club. You know, it's not, like I say, it's not breaking the bank. So, yeah, you know, the very, very best of luck to John Joe Kenny. He's an Evertonian. We all want to see Evertonians do well. And it would be nice, Ben, wouldn't it, to see him go and, uh, you know, forge a career for himself? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the likes of John Joe Kenny weren't the, weren't the problem at Everton over the, the last few years. He wasn't on a massive contract. He wasn't earning £100,000 a week like certain other individuals, like, for example, Andre Gomez earning £120,000 a week. John Joe Kenny wasn't one of them players. Um, he was on a low fee, low wages, and... 
I think Frank Lampard seen him as a bit of a, a utility man. Um, he's seen him he could play right back, left back, right centre half at times as well this season. And for the likes of like your FA Cup games, you're calling Cup games against the lower league opposition. You, you could put John Joe Kenny in the team um, and obviously start him, and he could give others a rest. Seamus Coleman, we, as we as you well documented, Bobble. He's at that age now where he can't play every week. We had an injury to Nathan Patterson. So John Joe Kenny stepped up. Look, for me, was he the best footballer? No. Did I think his time ever was a success? No. However, he wasn't a massive issue for me. And I could see why Everton offered him the contract. I really, really can. Obviously, you and I talk facts and figures, and it wasn't a lot of money per week. I know a lot of fans were getting a bit up and down, a bit angry about that. Potentially, the plan was to for him to see out the 12 months back up and actually get a fee for him in 12 months next summer because arguably he's still the right side of first and he could demand some sort of fee. But fair play to John Joe Kenny, like you said, like you sent me a message saying, look, I think he's going to turn this down. He wants regular first team football and good on him. Good on him for a 25, 26-year-old to actually make that move, make that big jump to Germany where he had successful loans by the Schalke and actually play football enjoy football and get the minutes deserved. He obviously didn't feel a, a wanted member of the squad and saw his playing time probably, you know, not not very often at Everton. You've got Mikolenko who's been solid defensively at left-back and the likes of Ben Godfrey can cover at left-back if required. Uh, Nathan Patson, I hope to see the starting right-back next season with Seamus Coleman as the understudy and John Joe Kenny probably thought, you know, I'm not going to play that much at all. So, I'm going to go, I'm going to get me me three-year deal at a hair for Berlin and look to play regular first-team football. And like you said, Bobble, it, it, I wish him all the best. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he wasn't brilliant for Everton, but he did try, he did give it his all. Um, so wish him all the best for the future. And another player who we're obviously going to talk about, Bobble, I'm going to obviously come to you on him now, James Tarkowski. I hope I pronounced that right for the listeners. You'll know we're going to put a stick on Twitter regarding him. Medical all done. Where's that up to? Obviously, it's all going to be quiet. We all know how Everton like to announce things. We can never do things easy, can we? Mm, no, it's, it's the Everton way, isn't it? Yeah, James Tarkowski's gone back on holiday. Uh, did his two-part medical uh, last week. So, yeah, we can all relax on that one. Uh, really, really good player. Proven Premier League centre-half, given our financial predicament. Bit of a no-brainer. You know, I, I'd argue that Everton's two major problems going into this summer where we need a centre-half and a centre-midfielder that are going to give us 35-plus games all season and just give us seven out of ten performances, people that we can rely on. James Tarkowski fits that mould, doesn't he, really? He's been a mainstay at Burnley, uh, featured for England briefly, you know. Uh, but he's been in the Premier League. He knows the Premier League. He's British, so he won't take any time to settle in. He's from the Northwest uh, again, which is really, really helpful. Um, and ultimately a free transfer. And I know everyone will say, well, there's no such thing as a free transfer. Well, there isn't. No, you're probably right. But financially, it's a very low output initially. And that's what has enabled us to, to get that one over the line really, really quickly. And, and how pleasing is it, Ben, to get someone that will probably start in, in Everton's eleven, James Tarkowski? Yeah, he probably will. How pleasing is it to get someone in before pre-season has even started? You know, it, it, that's a really, really positive for me because Everton normally wait till the very, very end. Um, as the as the season ended, it, it was all pointing towards James Tarkowski was going to join Aston Villa. That was the feeling, you know, at Burnley's end. Um, Aston Villa then chose to go down a different route. I think they went for that Diego Carlos, I think if I've pronounced his name right, from Seville uh, and spent quite a lot of money on him. So they chose to go down a different route. No other club really came in for 
for James Tarkowski. I remember telling you, Ben, you know, he didn't really have a lot of options. West Ham never really firmed up any interest. Newcastle didn't. And Everton had gone all out to go get him. So good on Everton for going out all out to get him. You know, it's proven worthwhile. Have we spent maybe a little bit more a week than what we probably have liked? Yeah, probably. We probably have for that sort of player. Have we probably given him an extra year on the contract than we probably would have envisaged? Again, yeah, we probably would have. But zero output initially. Quite a decent signing on fee for the player. But like I say, there's just no transfer fee. And that is such a big thing for Everton. And ultimately, he's going to slot straight in and arguably be one of our main centre-halves now for the for the next couple of seasons. So really, really good signing for me. Um, I think people uh, don't give him enough enough praise regarding his footballing ability. He's not just, you know, a tough tackler. He's not bad on the ball, James Tarkowski, with all due respect. He's pretty decent. Um, I've got a, a scout who's a, a friend who's a scout at Burnley, should I say. You know, they really, really liked him and Ben Mee. And I know Burnley have gone down. And I know people will always say, well, they can't be that good because Burnley have gone down. Yeah, but I, I don't think Ben Mee and James Tarkowski were the issues at Burnley, let's be honest. Two very solid centre-halves. James Tarkowski, especially half-decent on the ball. Not particularly the quickest, but quicker than the likes of Yerry Mina and arguably quicker than, than Michael Keane. Big unit, strong. And he's what I would call a real man. You know, you're going to go into battle at places like Newcastle with 50,000 Geordies screaming down your throat, he's not going to be phased or shirk a tackle or, you know, be a shrinking violet Tarkowski. He'll be bang up for it. And he'll be a, a huge player for us, I, I imagine, going into next season. And the fact that Frank Lampard was so determined to bring him in, we have to trust Lampard's judgment on that one, Ben. Yeah, I completely agree. Where I stand is I think it's a very clever business deal by Everton something that we haven't said for a a long time with Everton's transfer dealings but look a 29 year old James Tarkowski he comes in he firms up that defence straight away and like you said he's a starter Um, I understand people's frustrations and what they will the the counter argument is yeah but they went down barely he was part of a relegation side but he was surrounded by very poor players he's always been a good solid leader and that's what Everton have missed a leader a football player, a centre-half partnership that can stay fit. I think over the past four or five seasons, he, he hardly misses a game in the Premier League. And that's something that Everton haven't had for the past three or four years. We haven't had a solid two partnership where the likes of Ben Godfrey and James Tarkowski can play 34, 35 games together, build up a proper relationship. You've got Tarkowski's aerial ability, his defensive dual ability and Godfrey's pace to get to, to obviously stop people getting behind the line. I think it's a very, very clever deal. We've arguably got a twenty, thirty million pound centre half for free, uh, and as you said, wages included. If you're paying twenty million for a centre half and he's a twenty nine year old, you're probably arguing that, that you're going to be paying forty, fifty million pounds overall with wages included. Now we're not paying that initial twenty million pound outlay up front, so it's very, very healthy for the books. Now for me, Everton have to get this right. This transfer window, Bob. I'm going to come to you again on this, where we've got to get age uh, and ability quite right because we've we felt so long over the past few seasons where we've bought players who are 28, 29, 30 years of age for big transfer fees, no sell-on values, and we arguably lose out a lot of money with them going forward. We can never actually get money back for them, and that's why we're in that predicament where the financial fair play and the Premier League profit and loss sustainability is right on top of us. So for me, 
I'd like to see us go for youth, put all our transfer budget in youth, and then maybe do the odd signing where we get like a 28, 29-year-old on a low fee or a free transfer, for example. What, what are your thoughts on that going forward for this summer? I fully agree. You, you know, Ben, I spoke to you at length about what I think Everton's, my personal opinion, what Everton's model should be. And it should be going for young players that are hungry for as minimal fee as we can possibly buy them for, keep them for three or four years, and then sell for high. Ultimately, every football club is, is a selling club nowadays, bar the likes of Real Madrid. That's just the way football is, and we are no different. So the keen Lewis Potter from, from Hull City, yeah, it, I thought, you know what? I can see the logic behind it. He's young, he's hungry, he's had a half-decent year at Hull, he's very, very highly rated. He's got a lot of Premier League clubs looking at him. And we stole a march. We, we, we went in and said, you know, we're interested. But like you've just said about our financial predicament, the issue is the championship is a different animal now. So when we like buy the likes of Tim Cahill from the, from the championship, you could pick up these little rough diamonds for a few million pounds and you could take the gamble. And if they came off, they came off. And if they didn't, well, it was only a few million pounds. The issue now is, Half-decent championship players at the age of 20, 21, like a Brennan Johnson, a Keane Lewis Potter and whoever else, they're 20 million, 15 million. That's what the championship clubs demand. And rightly so, because that's the, that's the market now. Why are they going to let their prize possessions at 21 go on the cheap? It's not going to happen. So Everton with, with Keane Lewis Potter, yeah, there's serious interest there. Of course there is. He's a highly rated youngster. Everton have, have, have put in a bid. And, you know, I don't mean to name drop Ben, but... I spoke to Shotter Avaladzi, the, the, the whole manager. Everton's offer would, would have equated to something like £15 million. But the issue was, Everton were only going to give £2.5 million up front. Now, I get the whole, well, you know, every offer or every bid now is in, still, is in installments. Yeah, of course it is. But why are Hull going to accept, and bear in mind, Hull are very, very cash-rich now. Why are Hull going to accept only £2.5 million up front and then over half of it in incentives? if Keen Lewis Potter does well, they're not going to accept that, not in a million years. And that's our problem, Ben, going into this summer right now. We're going to have to wheel and deal. We're going to have to be inventive. And I know we spoke about that at length on, on one of your Twitter spaces. That's the, the card that Kevin Thelwell and Frank Lampard have been dealt. So they're going to have to try to wheel and deal and work some magic. I have no problem with Everton talking to um, Lewis Potter's agent, Hall City, to try and you know see where the land lies. That is exactly what we should be doing and seeing what we can and can't do this summer. So, yeah, I got the offer. I, I totally get it. Hull were probably never going to accept it. Like I say, it was such a, a low fee up front. They probably just left it out of the room. Because like I say, Hull City are very, very cash rich now with their new owner. So that would be my model, Ben. Buy young, sell high. But it's, it's easier said than done. And ultimately, taking off our, you know, Everton-tinted glasses, we're not in a strong negotiation position anymore as a football club. You know, we just finished 16th. We're cash-strapped. We're still playing out at Goodison. So if a club like Tottenham came in for Keane Lewis Potter and offered, say, £7 million or £8 million up front, he would probably want to go there, wouldn't he? They're in London. They're playing out of a beautiful ground. They have a top-class manager and he's going to be training with some top-class players week in, week out. And they can offer the similar money, if not more, a week than Everton. I'm not saying Spurs are interested in Keane Lewis Potter. That's just the negotiation power. That's just where we are as a football club right now. And we have to remember that. So it is going to be difficult to try and sometimes get some of these youngsters to come to us when other clubs are, are looking at him. 
But yeah, I really, really like that Keenan Lewis pot. I've seen him a few times. I'll admit, I haven't seen him, you know, hundreds of times, but I've seen him a few times. And from what I've seen, there seems enough there and there's enough noise around him to, to suggest, just like Brennan Johnson, that there's a player there. But like I say, Ben, unless we can offer more front for these sort of players, it is going to be difficult to, to try and get them over the line. And I don't think this summer, you know, we're not going to solve everything this summer. It's just not going to happen. This is going to take a number of windows to sort just due to the predicament that we're in and the cards that Thalwell and, and, and Lampard have been dealt. But yeah, I agree with you, Ben. We need to stop this nonsense of, you know, signing players with, with no salon fee. You like to say your Alans, and that's no disrespect to Alan. It's no disrespect, but that's the sort of signings we need to get away from. The £20 million for 28, 29-year-olds. There's just no salon fee. There's absolutely nothing. And they still demand high wages. Everton are no longer in a position to do that. And if we did carry on doing that, it's just madness because we've proved that it's just not worked for us. So we need to reverse a little bit, take maybe a couple of steps back and just walk before we can run again, Ben, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Bob, or what you like to say, yeah. Your bargain basement shopping, shall we say? I don't think Everton are in a predicament now where we can offer the hundred grand, hundred twenty thousand pounds a week wages to players, and you can't draw them in. I think it's going to be a lot of backhanders, um, a lot of low contract offers. Well, obviously longer terms, longer years. That'll be the obviously the selling point for me um, if I'm Everton because we're no longer in a position to offer like the likes of Yerry Mina, Andre Gomez, both getting over £100,000 a week, Guilford Sigurdsson, for example, another hundred grand a week. We can't do that anymore because we're so cash-struck. I think for me, we've got kind of got to survive, obviously, until we get to Bramley Moor docks and then we can hopefully commercialise the club a bit more. Obviously, the uplifting corporate boxes, corporate seats at Bramley Moor going to around 11,000 seats, what you've told me. The Luffins obviously gain revenue that way. Talking about revenue bubble, um, obviously this week we announced a, a record share deal for Everton Football Club with Stake.com, an online crypto casino gambling firm. What, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, it's raised a few eyebrows amongst the Everton community. Uh, and I'll go on to my points after you've said yours. But what, what's your views on this and Everton obviously taking up a deal like this? Obviously, it's a record deal for the club and obviously much needed revenue, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And it, it, it's a real, um, it's a real delicate, or I don't know, I don't know what the words to say. Really, it is a tough one because gambling is so frowned upon it within sport and especially in football, and rightly so. I 100% agree, Ben. It should be. Um, Everton almost have almost just got to hang on to the coattails of some other clubs, and the battle probably almost swallow the pride with this one. It's just over ten and a half million pounds, so it's a lot of money. It, it beats the Kazoo deal. The Kazoo deal was around nine point six million, so it beats that by around a million pounds. So it is a lot of money, and every million counts. Of course, it does. Is it ideal? No, it's not ideal, is it? It's really, really not. Um, is that the way football is right now? Yeah, I think it is. And Everton are no different. And I know everybody would like to think, well, we're Everton. You know, let, let's be different and. Let's rise above that sort of thing. But money talks, doesn't it, unfortunately? Um, it's, it's a real difficult one, Ben, and I, it's a very sensitive situation for a lot of fans, and I totally understand. Uh, it was always going to go down like a lead balloon. It always was, just because it's due to gambling. Um, but yeah, money talks, Ben, and, and Everton can't really afford to, to turn down that sort of revenue, a bit like Sport, Pisa or Pezza, however people pronounced it in the end. 
it was the same with them when they when they got on board. You know, they were the highest bidders, and and that's what it is in football. Unfortunately, um, there wasn't a queue of companies wanting to get involved, as you know, Ben. You know, if we'd gone down, we were in a real mess, uh, and Stake were actually waiting to see if Everton stayed in the Premier League. Uh, as we spoke about on a, on a Twitter space, but yeah, just over ten and a half million. It's it's a welcome amount of money. Um, with Kazoo, there was a lot of add-ons with Kazoo sponsorship, uh, and some of those add-ons were not met. They were add-ons which would equate if Everton performed on the pitch. Obviously, whether we finished in certain positions or reached Europe, and our cup runs and things like that. Obviously, the more exposure their shirt has on the on TV and things like that on FA Cup runs. So some of the kazoo add-ons were not actually met. Now, I'm led to believe the stake deal, there's not actually that, me- that many add-ons. So it's almost 10.5 million rather than, well, it's 5 million with add-ons. So it's, it's a better deal than the, than the kazoo deal, not just a little bit more money. It's a better structured deal for the football club than the kazoo deal. So, yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to hear your views, Ben. Like I say, I fully understand why Blues are not happy with it. I totally get it. It's far from ideal in my opinion. Especially, you know, the club would even come out and said they were probably never going to go down that route again. And obviously they've had to reverse and and, and go down that alleyway. Um, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances, but yeah, it, money talks, doesn't it, Ben? And ultimately, Everton were always going to give the uh, the rights to the highest bidder. Yeah, I agree. Morally, it probably isn't right. Um, but Everton are in a position now, from their own doing, let's get it right, Everton have messed up where we need money and we need money now. We are a business at the end of the day um, and we need money. You need cash injection, you need revenue, you need as much money as possible. If we can get as much money as possible into the club to make us better on the pitch, I would look to, to get any deal. Um, I know that sounds horrendous, but I just want to be winners on and off the pitch. I want as much money in to invest in players, invest in the football club and make us better because I don't want to be seen as a charity, shall we say. Um, I want to be seen as a football club that goes on to win things and win trophies and be positive and make the change necessary to allow us to have a better football club. That's my stance on it. Obviously, yourself and I, Bob, spoke uh, during the, obviously the, when we were talking to Stake and other companies and we obviously got in touch with certain companies who were interested in sponsoring Everton. Um, one of them was Open Sponsorship uh, and Multibank as well. Both of them looked to obviously talk to Everton and get the main share sponsor. And there's obviously talks to get a sleeve sponsor as well and other bits of revenue too. There might be more sponsorships in, in and obviously the horizon in the future. I just want as much money into the club as possible. Like I said, I, I completely understand how gambling and has, has ruined certain people's lives. And that's not that's something that's got to be taken seriously. It really, really has. Because it's ruined lives on and off the field and personal lives as well. And I don't condone that whatsoever. Um, and I'm, I'm more than happy there's been more restrictions brought into gambling to protect people, to p- protect people getting as addicted and spending all the money and getting themselves financially struck. But look, we need money. We all know that. It's a bit of a taboo subject, shall we say. I don't think either answer's right. And it's quite difficult to discuss, really. Um so we're swiftly going to move on on that one. And we're going to talk about the elephants in the room, Bubble. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I think you know what's coming. Richarlison, obviously, it's been subject to high interest from certain clubs. Tottenham now being the latest clubs. You're very close with his agent, Renato Velasco. Um, I think you're on first name term. So what's actually going on with Richarlison? A lot of people have been asking on Twitter, where are we up to with this deal? 
Yeah. Um, so his agent's gone back to Brazil, uh, Renato Velasco, known as Reg. Reg has gone back to Brazil uh, and spoke to Richarlison, by all accounts, as far as I'm aware. Look, it's, it's no secret. Richarlison wants to play Champions League football and he wants, ultimately, a move, unfortunately. And, and that's just the way of the world. Has there been any offers or bids? No, there hasn't. So I don't know the journalist who had um, said earlier in the week or on the weekend that Spurs had, were negotiating a £51.6 million or whatever it was deal with Everton. Well, Everton have had no contact from any club at the moment for Richarlison. So that was, with all due respect, false information. Hence why I tweeted and said, look, there's no bids for either him or Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So his agent is just doing what any good agent would do. He's just trying to drum up interest. Now, how it works is agents will speak to the player. You're happy for a move. Let's try and get you a move. The agent will always want a player to move because he makes money. It's as, it's as simple as that. And Reg is no different. Now, Reg then filters the information to journalists of, of his choice or who he knows. You know, clubs are interested. Spurs are, as it stands, the only club that have lodged any interest with Renato Velasco, Richarlison's agent. So it was ultimately going to be Spurs are putting a bid. Well, they haven't put in a bid and it's not advanced negotiations. Let's just hold on a little bit. They're interested. Who wouldn't be? If you were Spurs, would you be interested in Richarlison? Yeah, probably. They've got the money. So they're interested. Are Everton expecting a bid from a club for Richarlison this summer? Yes, 100% they are. The issue Everton have is it's a small world, the football world. Everton need a sale. We all know that. That's no secret. We need, ideally, a big sale to help us reinvest into the squad. That was always the plan coming into the summer. It almost didn't matter who it was. The club were just going to sell whoever we could sell for for the highest amount. I'm not saying we've got to sell multiple players, but ideally at least one. Now, who's going to earn the most money at Everton right now in a sale? It's arguably Richarlison unfortunately. And I know many Evertonians won't want to hear this, but that's just a fact. So Richarlison's looking for an idea, an ideal move. He would like to play in the Champions League. Do not blame him. Do not begrudge him. He gives you everything he's got week in, week out. So Everton are going to have to stand strong on this one and try and get as much money as we can for him if he is to go. Now, a bid may not come in for, for him at all and we're with him next season and brilliant. But then that might alter our transfer dealings incoming-wise, because we might not have the money to wheel and deal, so to speak. So it's, it's a real tough one, Ben. Um, are Everton a better team with Richarlison in it? Yes, of course. But if he goes, could Everton maybe sign two or three players with the money? Well, yeah, potentially. And same if Dominic Calvert-Lewin went, they could reinvest that money and get two or three and improve the squad. So it's, it's a real difficult one. Um, and like I say, it's no secret. Clubs know Everton need money. Um, will Everton get more than... You know, people are quoting, I want 80 million. We're not going to get that sort of money for him. We're just not. We're not going to get 80, 90 million for Richarlison. It's not happening. It's really not happening. Um, you only have to look over the, next, the last couple of seasons in, in, the, in the transfer market. There hasn't been that many 80 million signings around the world. Um, there's not as many as there once was, so to speak. So I'm led to believe Everton would, would be, you know, would talk at anything around 60 and upwards. So... If it was 60 million English pounds, it's, it's a lot of money. And I know Everton signed him for around 50 all in with all the ins, uh, in, installments. Um, it's, it's a difficult one, Ben, isn't it? And it's going to real divide the fan base, this one. Um, but Everton are expecting, a, a, you know, bids for Richarlison and they were expecting bids for Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. So far, there's been nothing on 
the Dominic Carver-Lewin side. But now it's just starting to, to rumble on the Richarlison side and Spurs are one of the clubs that, again, are interested. Um, what are your thoughts, Ben? You know, how much would you want for Richarlison? Um, it's so difficult, isn't it? You, you've got to try and read the room on this one on Richarlison. I, I think with Adam last season, about the, obviously the last nine games where he scored six goals, I think he stepped up to the plate, stepped up to the mark. Um, I think without him, we would have undoubtedly been playing championship football next season. He's contracted till 2024. Um, it's going to be quite hard to bring somebody in who brings his style of football because he is a goal scorer. Um, he scored a lot of goals for a poor Everton side. Let's get that right. And Everton probably don't want to sell. The negatives we've got are the clubs know how financially struck we are in regards to financial fair play, Premier League sustainability, profit and loss. And I think the footballing tax accounts go from June to June. That's why obviously players' deals go from June to June as well. And I think clubs may potentially use that to their advantage in negotiations where you can get Look, we know a lot of deals nowadays, Bob, where you and I talk about the world of football, the world of football deals and how like initial payments up front is so important and imperative for negotiation. If the likes of Tottenham, say, for example, we're going to give you £40 million up front and then £5 million over the course of four seasons, Everton will probably look to that because it goes in next year's financial books. Now, Tottenham will know that we need money now because we're, we're, we're so cash-struck. We've got players on ridiculous wages and we're trying to get rid of them. Andre Gomez, for example, you and I both know that Everton preferably want him out the door, but it's getting a club that will take the hit on his £120,000 a week wages. Richarlison is Everton's main man. He's our best player. And I would like to see £70 million. That's my personal view as a fan. That's using my heart. I want £70 million upwards for Richarlison. Using my head and using what I know about Everton's accounts and what's going on behind the scenes, I know we could potentially accept a lower fee to that and I can see why we're going to accept it. And we can only blame the, the previous transfer dealings and the business we've done off the field for that because it can only point towards Farad Machiri and the, the deals he signed off and Everton's board because that's why we're in this predicament and that's why we potentially might have to sell our star man for a lower fee. It just is. It's just a fact. Unfortunately, we all thought it might be Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I'm going to bring bring you back to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Bob. But obviously, Newcastle, you said to me earlier on uh, via WhatsApp that Newcastle did have a slight interest in Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but obviously Lampard wants him to remain Evan. What have you heard regarding Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well? Yeah, so Newcastle had, had kind of just touched base with the agent and just said, you know, is he available? How much would he be interested? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I don't know that what the answers were to that. I'm not going to lie. I, I really, really don't know, Ben. I don't really know his agent too well. Um, but what I do know is the club have told Dominic Cavalier and they'd like him to stay and they would like to kind of build the team around him and get crosses into the box and, and play to his strengths next season. Now, is that the club edging their bets and thinking, you know what, we can't lose both, so we'll just try and keep one? And at the moment, it looks like it's going to be an easier task in keeping Calvert-Lewin over Richarlison. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But also maybe it might be Dominic Calvert-Lewin's stock is probably the lowest it's been for a couple of seasons. So keep him, get a good season out of him, and then maybe cash in next season or the season after. You know, he might have a, a couple of games in the World Cup if all really went brilliantly. You know, his money might go up again, another 5 million. Who knows? You just don't know. Um 
but yeah, it's, it is looking like out of the two, Richarlison is, is the much closer one to to heading out the door. But like I said, I, I can't really begrudge him a move. Uh, he gives us everything. Uh, he's probably earned his move. He wants to play in Europe. You cannot, again, blame him for that. The, the issue Everton have with Richarlison is, we all love him, of course. We're doing, he's, he's arguably our best player. I, I get it. Is he a top-tier player? He's probably not. He's probably not, is if we were all honest. So then that, obviously, th- this might not be the case, but just taking a, a logical look at it, 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 then that then takes away the likes of your Man City's, your, your, your Paris Saint-Germain's, your Barcelona's, and probably your Real Madrid's out of the equation, who could spend a lot of money on Richarlison. Well, if he's not going to feature for those clubs, who's next in the next bracket? Well, the next bracket are your Champions League clubs, but your, your non-winners, your non-finalists, so to speak. So then it is like your, your Borussia Dortmunds, uh, like your Tottenham's, your Chelsea's. They're probably in the next bracket. And that's where, you've arguably, even maybe your Atletico Madrid, I suppose. So that's where maybe Richarlison is looking. That's what I'm led to believe. It's those sort of clubs. Obviously, he'd love to go play for Real Madrid, of course, but at the moment, there's just no interest there. So he wants Champions League. And that's the sort of bracket or the sort of clubs that we are expecting, you know, a bit of movement from. We want a bidding war. Of course you do. We'll always want a bidding war to break out. But at the moment, again, there is no bidding war. So it's going to be interesting to see if Spurs do firm up their interest in in Richarlison. Like I say, Everton are expecting offers for him this season or this summer. And again, like you say, Ben, it's probably just going to be how much and then see where we're at. Um, but yeah, we've got to get used to the fact that we are a selling club. Everyone's a selling club and everybody has a price. And this is the position that we are in. We have, we're not in a strong negotiation position. We're in a poor negotiation position. And a lot of clubs know that. So if a £60 million bid did come in from Spurs, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult for Everton to say no. We might say no and squeak a few more million pounds out of it. But again, it's going to be tough because clubs know that we need money. So can we turn away 60 million? I personally don't think we can. I'm not saying I'd sell Richarlison for 60 million because in an ideal world, like you said, Ben, I'd want more. But just given the position that we're in, I'm not sure Everton would say no to around 60 million. That's my concern with it. But let's see what happens over the the next week or so because obviously it's going to hot up. It's going to get interesting. Um, But yeah, Expect a lot of movement around Richarlison. Expect, you know, like I say, the club are expecting bids, Ben. So that's where we're at with him. Yeah, before we move on to the under-23s and the, the plans for the youth, Bob, it's a bit of a personal question. Obviously, the summer transfer window is a very hectic time of the year for yourself and other journalists. Um, how does it work then with agents? So obviously, there's obviously mentions of Harry Wings, Christian Eriksen, and you've told me about other players been offered around. How does it actually work with the agents and obviously talking to the football clubs, etc.? They, they, they just get circulated, mate. So players just get circulated by their agents. So they might talk to, um, you know, an intermediary who's involved with Everton. An agent might speak to him and say, you know, would your club, I know you have dealings with Everton. Could you find out if they'd be interested in my client? And then they just go speak to that football club and say, oh, he's being touted around. You know, I know people tweet every day about rumours. I, I, I've never done that, Ben, and you know that. I'd only tweet when I know it's a fact or when there's a little bit of movement or it's worth tweeting about. You know, we all laugh, but, you know, check Kiate from Crystal Palace, the centre-mid slash centre-half. He, he was offered to Everton the other week. Is it worth tweeting about? Of course it's not. But he was offered around to a number of clubs and Everton were one of them. 
Senegalese international, age 32, um, but he wants to stay in Europe for his for his international career. He was offered round on a free transfer. That that's just what happens. Players just get circulated round. Ismail Assar from Watford being circulated round. Watford want him off the books. Um, you know, around 20, 25 million pounds. Again, just another player being circulated in, in, until clubs then firm up on the interest or take it to the next step. It's just that's just run of the mill. That's just football, and that's what happens. And agents are just doing their work and just trying to see who's interested, trying to see if they can get their their man a move, mate. And, and regarding Harry Winks, it's an interesting one. I'm led to believe Lampard's a fan. Uh, I know he again really, really divides opinion, doesn't he, on on social media, Harry Winks. Um, it's an interesting one, him, because Everton's biggest problem is midfield, central midfield especially. You know, look at the books. Delft's now gone. Donny van der Beek's now gone. So who have we got? We've got Tom Davis, who's coming back from quite a bad injury. Gabamin, who probably doesn't really have a future at Everton. Alan, Decore, and Andre Gomez. Now, Andre Gomez would like to move on. He'd like to go to Portugal or Spain, and Everton are very open to letting him go. So let's see if anything happens with him. That'd be great and get him off the wage bill. But then that reduces our numbers even more. Then we're only left with, what, four players. So would Harry Winks improve the 11? I don't know. I'm not sure. Would he start ahead of Alan and Decore? Maybe sometimes, maybe not. Again, does he improve the squad? And does he give us a bit more flexibility? Yes, he does. He does. So if we were to sign two centre midfielders, a starting number six and a Harry Winks to come in, and almost do a job for us, then I get the logic behind it. Of course I do, because it gives us numbers, healthy, healthy numbers. And Harry Winks does have quite a good injury record. He is quite a fit man. He doesn't get injured very often. He, you know, when he starts, he does often complete a full game. So I get the logic behind it, Ben. I really, really do. And he will have the ball. He's not an engine. We all know that, but he will have the ball. So Lampard's a fan, but again, it comes down to Everton don't have a lot of money right now. So if it was to maybe to be a loan, would we have him for a loan for a year? Yeah, again, I get the logic behind it. And yeah, if we were to get a number six next to him, then we've got Decore Alan, a new number six, Harry Winks, Tom Davis. You've all of a sudden got a few options there, then haven't you, you see, going into the next season? Because this isn't, again, like I said, this isn't all going to be solved in one summer. It's just not going to be solved. We're going to have to walk before we can run again. These are the cards that Thurwell and Lampard have been dealt. And these are the sort of players that we're going to have to look at right now and see what we can get because the top, top players that we ultimately want, they're not going to come to Everton right now. Christian Eriksen is another player. Are Everton interested in him? Well, of of course we are. He's a free agent and he's not on massive wages down at Brentford. But so are a host of other clubs interested in Christian Eriksen. So why would he come to us? Again, we're not in a strong negotiation position. We're in a poor negotiation position. So why would he come to Everton above, again, say Spurs who are interested in him? Let's just take our Everton glasses off. You're going to go to Spurs, regardless that he's already played for Spurs. You, you, you're just going to go there. They're in Europe, arguably a better manager, currently a better ground, and he's playing with better players. So you're going to go there. So that's where we're at, Ben. It's it's not easy. And, you know, Thalwell and Lampard are probably going to be scratching their head and pulling their hair out at times. But you've just got to hope that we can improve the eleven whilst improving the squad this summer even if it is only three or four players, a Tarkowski, a Winks, a number six, and then one other player, say a winger or a striker, it improves the squad whilst getting rid of some of the heavy deadwood like your Delfs, your Cenk Tosins, and maybe your Andre Gomez's. 
that has to be the summer. It's a, it's a recovery summer almost. And where as we start to repair the damage and we start to repair the FFP, because Leeds and Burnley, I know their you know, appeals were never going to go anywhere regarding Everton's expenditure. But the fact that they were even looking at it, it tells you what a mess we were in or we are in. It tells you all you need to know. Yeah, it was a frivolous appeal. It was never going to work. We've been working with the Premier League for over 18 months. You may as well have chucked it in the bin. But it just shows you where we are at, that other clubs are looking at Everton and thinking, hang on a minute, that can't be right. Their books must be horrendous. So that's where we're at, Ben. And yeah, <laughs> we just need a sale, mate. And, and I know I keep going on about that. We do need a sale. And if Richarlison is to go, and it's, it's an if, if he is to go, we need it done now, ASAP, so we can reinvest. There's no point selling him last week of the summer and then we're scratching around for players. That's not good enough for us. That's no use to us whatsoever. So can you put a deadline on, on players to leave? Yeah, you can. We, you know, we hold all the cards. Richarlison's still under contract. But we, there's no point keeping Richarlison you know, a few days before the transfer window closes and then selling him for 65 million. I'd rather take 60 million now and reinvest it, knowing that we're going into the season healthier. So let's just see what happens with him, mate. Yeah, I agree. And I think the listeners won't mind me saying this, obviously what you said to me, every Everton player has a price. That There's no one that's categorically not up for sale. And make that quite clear that there's no current Everton player who we would receive a bid for and just say no, because... We're so financially struck. The likes of Yerry Mina, for example, if a bid comes in for him and it's reasonable amounts, Everton would sell. Andre Gomez, Everton would sell. Players like that, the fringe players on big wages, Everton would sell if the right offer comes in. And it's all about where. What you've got to remember, Ben, as well, is, is sorry, mate, with Richarlison, Watford get up to 10% salon fee for anything over 40 million. So we've got to take that into account as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a big bit of information that I didn't know of. Obviously, anything over 40 million, a 10% fee to Watford. Um, that's obviously a bit of an incentive put into the deal by Watford at the time by selling to Everton. So I didn't know that. Look, took me by surprise a bit that. But look, the likes of Moise Keane, Bob, I'm going to come to you again on that one. Obviously, you, you mentioned a few weeks back now that Juventus came back to the table. Obviously, the, the first year the loan was £4 million, the second year was £7 million, and then there was an obligation to obviously sign Moise Keane by Juventus in the third year. What's gone on there? So obviously you said they came back to the table to try and renegotiate. Has there been any breakthroughs in that one? Yeah, so Juventus didn't want to pay the second year loan fee. He hasn't really set the world a lot at Juventus. So they wanted to sign him immediately, swerve the second year loan fee, to sign him for the um, the fee that was agreed. The I can't remember what it was. That was the 20-something million pounds, Ben and then just sell him straight on or loan him straight on just to get him off their book, so to speak. But Everton didn't want to waiver the second-year loan fee. So they're still in negotiations with that. Everton hold the cards on that one for once. We actually hold the strong point. No, no, Juventus, it's all agreed. You owe us the, the £7 million second-year loan fee. And then on top, you owe us the transfer fee at the end of that. That's a fact. But like I say, Juventus were thinking, no, no, we'll just buy him now off you and then just swerve the second-year loan fee. And that is still in negotiations. Um, Moise Keane doesn't really have a future at Everton. So do Everton take the money now and, and reinvest it? Or do they go, no, no, we'll sit tight. You can take him for a second year with the seven million. We'll take that money. And then you've got to buy him at the end of it anyway. But I, I, all fingers are pointing towards, you know, both clubs would arguably like to do some sort of just 
deal this summer just to get it done and move on. So I wouldn't be surprised if that one got done, Bennett. Maybe, you know, they meet in the middle regarding the second year loan fee or do some sort of deal just to try and get that one done. But like I say, it would be in our interests just to get him gone completely and maybe then we reinvest some of that money. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think we need the money now. If we can get the £25 million and say half that second year loan fee, you're talking nearly £28, £30 million uh, this summer before the end of June. I think there was talks of trying to get it done before, obviously, this financial window, um, which would be great for the books, an extra £25, £30 million in Everton's books for this financial year. So that would be great. Um, he hasn't set the world alight, has he? Um, he didn't really perform extremely well at Everton. I thought he'd have a, a bright future and obviously he performed very well at Paris Saint-Germain the year before. So I thought his market value was going to be through the roof. But unfortunately, he hasn't set the world alight this year in Juventus. Scored a few crucial goals, but not loads. But players that may have a future at Everton, Bob, I'm not bringing on to our my, my next question. Obviously, the Everton under-23, there's still an ongoing manager search and there's obviously Lewis Dobbin, Ellis Sims, Lewis Warrington just signed a two-year deal as well. There's a lot of good Everton youth coming through. Well, what's going to be the plans in regards to the manager and the players? Do you reckon Lampard will bring them in to have a look at them or will he look to get them out quick to, a, to another Premier League Championship, League One club? What's going to be the deal with Everton's youth this summer? Uh, regarding the management, that's all done. Obviously, David Unsworth left his role as under-23 manager, so that should be announced in the very, very near future. Don't look too far away from, from home for that one. Um, regarding the players, the plan was originally to take them, and, and I believe still is, is to take them to the US, so Lampard and co can have a look at them, see where they're at in their development, and then ideally choose what divisions they then go and probably their trading for, for next season. Obviously, Lewis Warrington's just signed a new deal, which is, which is great news, and the likes of Oxford and, and Cheltenham were lodging you know interest in him, but... The initial plan, like I say, Ben, is to take some of these lads away with us to US, buffer the squad up a little bit, ease the workload on some of the other players because some of them have had very, very long seasons and then come back and then think, right, that's where you are at your development. We now think the best league would be there for you. Same for Ellis Sims, Lewis Dobbin, Lewis Warrington and a couple of others. Uh, Nathan Broadhead's another one. Sunderland would really, really like him still. Um, so that's another player that we can maybe cash in on at some point if possible. So, yeah, that's the logic behind that one. And again, I totally get it because Lampard didn't have a pre-season with any of these players. So all he's been able to see with Lewis Warrington is, is his Tranmere performances and Nathan Broadhead, his Sunderland performances, Ellis Sims up in Hearts. So Lampard hasn't had any time with these youngsters to work with them and see where they're at. And ultimately, we have to trust Lampard and his staff's judgment on some of these if he thinks, yeah, they're worth working with over the next few years or whether he thinks, no, no, let's just cut our ties and get as much money as we can for them. So, yeah, I'd expect quite a few of them, Ben, to, uh, to to go to the US with us. See, I think that makes complete sense for me. I'd like to see them integrated into the first team a lot more than they have done previously. I think we were due to do an under-23 special um, late later last year. and I, My main argument with all that was to see a lot more youth training with the first team. Obviously, you and I know for a fact that it, before Lampard came in, it was kind of most of the 23s were like a separate identity altogether. Um, and I think since Lampard's joined, there's been a real connection to try and promote a lot of the under-23s to train day-to-day with the first team. And I think that's the correct route, trying to embed them with the philosophies, trying to achieve. So if we do have a, a lot of injuries, these lower, these younger players can come in and step up to the mark straight away, understand Frank's tactics, what he wants from them as players. 
and the likes of Lewis Wong's and get the two-year deal. I think it's a it's a great deal that for Everton. Fingers crossed he can kick on. He's at that age now where he has got the potential. There's a lot of people within Everton who feel very highly of Lewis Wongton. He is that progressive attacking uh, midfielder who can sit in the six, has a good range of passing. And it'd be brilliant to see him get his chance at Everton pre-season, have like the likes of Lewis Dobbin, Ellis Sims, Reese Welsh, a, a number of players to actually get their chance in America to play with the first team and get that under their wings and maybe go out alone towards the end of the transfer window where I'd like to see a lot more championship loans. I think next year that's going to be a brilliant league. You look at some of the teams in the championship now, it's going to be a really good league for attacking, defensive, passing, all kinds of football in that league next year. I think it'll be a really good watch next season. A lot of high clubs. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to seeing the youth being promoted. And there we have it. Um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this new uh, View from the Bullens episode with myself, Ben's and the Bobble. Um, fingers crossed there are a lot more episodes to come throughout the summer. Um, stay tuned. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at View from the Bullens. Hopefully to make an announcement shortly. But look, we're trying to do our best, try and get as much content out there, try and do our bit for the communities within Everton. And hopefully we can get the Bobble on a lot more over the summer, get a few transfer scoops uh, and a lot more from the uh, the bobble app himself so thanks very much for tuning in thank you once again for everyone for listening and the ongoing support for our events in relation to our pre-season events we are looking at dates and news will be breaking shortly hopefully with our arranged dates so we can't wait to see you all there all your smiling faces as Everton comes back into our lives but once again thank you stay tuned and all the very best goodbye <laughs>